Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Presents Elements of Horror. I'm Sean. With me is Missy, Anthony, and once again, Professor John Trafton. Guys! Hello. Hello. Hi. John, I'm very happy that you chose to be with us for this movie. I know this has a, a special place in your heart, as it does for both Anthony and Missy as well. I believe they yeah. are well more versed in this film than I than I am. Although I do love it. I watched it a third time a couple nights ago. But um Anthony, wait, whose pick is this? This is Missy's pick, right? It was mine. <laughs> Missy. Missy, just give us a, a synopsis and like an initial foot in the door to talking about Christopher Gans's Brotherhood of the Wolf. Brotherhood of the Wolf came out in 2001, uh, directed by Christopher Gans. Um, and the Sir Gregor de Franzac and his companion Manny investigate killings of the Beast of Jeverdo. Uh, they, they come to this city in France to investigate murders that are supposedly being caused by this beast that's terrorizing you know, the French countryside. I think it is important to note this is an actual historical thing. Like the beast of Gévaudan. 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 I'm still saying it wrong, but whatever. The, uh, was like, you know, I'm just going to very briefly... Um, you know, you can you can Wikipedia this shit, and it's you know I'll just give you a taste. Uh, the beast of Gévaudan is the historic name associated with a man-eating animal or animals that terrorized the former province of Gévaudan between 1764 and 1767. So this is kind of an extrapolation of facts, or as they would do if this was by an American director, would probably say inspired by true events. Um, John. Talk yeah. to me, talk to us about the Brotherhood of the Wolf if you want to tell the story that you alluded to earlier off camera, quote unquote, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so I was uh, part of the first American audience to see this film. Uh, this was, I was, uh, I was in college at the time. This was fall 2001. And I am at this, uh, AM, the AMC 30 at the block of Orange. Now, for those of you out there who don't know the AMC 30 block of orange, this is the mall where Borat gets arrested after uh, trying to abduct uh, Pamela Anderson. Uh, and I, my friends and I, we went, oh, we, we went to go see um, Antoine Fuqua's training day. And we come out of the, uh, the theater and there's somebody that's passing out, you know, uh, flyers for a test screening. And you know, it's like, you know, come check that this is a film that is an absolute sensation in France. And I had been in France uh, earlier that summer and I recognized the poster image that they used on the flyer. It's that iconic image of Fonsac and Mani, you know, in their yeah. outfits where their faces are barely concealed. They got the moonlight in the background. Yeah, Anthony, exactly that image, Anthony. Uh, and I was like, and I had seen that image you know around france you know like in movie theaters so i was like oh hell yeah yeah i'll, I'll see this and they're like great this the screening is uh in two weeks uh on uh tuesday september 11th and i'm like okay cool 
Now, naturally, of course, we all know what happened on that day and screening canceled. The block of orange, yeah, completely shut down. No one allowed to go in there. They shut down Disneyland, you know, that day. So the screening got pushed back and I, and then later, you know, about uh, two weeks afterward, they announced, they called, they said, yeah, we're doing the screening. Here we go. Uh, and I made it as a double bill. Like uh, first my friends and I went and saw uh, Iron Monkey that got uh, re-released in theaters. Then we went and saw Brotherhood of the Wolf. And oh, wow. I was, uh, I was absolutely just blown away by the film, barring maybe a few minor complaints that just plague me to this very day, but we can get into that later. So, you know, I, so, and, you know, we, they, they made a big announcement and everything at the beginning. They said, congratulations, you, you guys are the first, this is a test audience. You are the very first American audience to see this film. And, you know, I could tell like, you know, just like the, just the energy was so palpable. Wow. That is awesome. I don't like to admit jealousy, but I'll do it today. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's that's badass. That's a great story. I, yeah. I am envious. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was fun, you know. Would have seen it, you know, two weeks earlier, but uh, Bin Laden disrupted my plans. Yes. That damn Bin Laden. Don't worry. We took care of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anthony. Yes. Uh, when did you first see this film? I didn't get to see it till uh, the following year in 2002 when it made uh, came to home video. Um, I was on tour for the most of that uh, most of that year for 2001 and missed its theatrical run, so I wasn't able to catch it in theater, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I, I had an ear to the underground at that point, and I was a, a, a fan of. Monica Bellucci and uh, and Vince Cassell, and was aware of their work. And then when I saw uh, Mark DeCoscos was uh, um, attached to the film, I was automatically in. I like martial arts films. I love his uh, his his Capoeira film, um, Only the Strong, that came out in the late nineties. That's you know one of those great things that uh, that he did. And I, I followed his career. I mean, even to this day. Um, Geez, what was the what was one of the last things I saw him in? Oh, he was he's one of the, the the main villains in John Wick. Like the guy's had a successful career run, you know, up until this point. He's still he's still a working actor and is is in a ton of ton of awesome stuff. And I remember following him even when he was doing like the uh, the 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 television run of uh, Crow Stairway to Heaven. I'm sorry, the Crow yeah the Crow uh, Stairway to Heaven um, TV show that was supposed to take up you know uh, right where the film you know leaves off at. So that was like one of those things that just kind of drew me into it. I was like, okay, um, it looks like it's got martial arts, which I love. It's got, you know, monsters. It's a period piece. It's, it's elaborate. It's just got all these, these great things working for it. And that's all in the trailer. And I'm like, I'm in. So as soon as I have a chance to go ahead and bring this home, I, I, I did. And I remember having to, you know, tell my brothers to shut up because I couldn't, you know, focus on the film and, why do we have to watch a foreign film tonight? It's like, because you're going to get some culture. Tonight, <laughs> tonight you're getting cultured. You hear me? Look, there's boobs. And um, <laughs> I've... Uh, French boobs, it's mean, culture. I, yeah. But I've been in love with the film ever since. And it's just one of those things where, where it's, um, you know, the, the, 
I, I had a copy of it on, on, uh, on DVD. And then I ended up importing like a, a French Canadian copy that had, you know, four, it was like a four disc set that had all this, you know, all these different things on it. Uh, I, uh, imported a Blu-ray from, from, uh, China, I believe. And, and that's a great transfer. And then shout factory finally said, okay, we're going to go ahead and release it here stateside. And, um, you know, I, I bought that and then there was a, a mishap with some of the uh the uh, um with production with it or something like that and then they just recently put out a 4k and to my knowledge it's the same uh it's the same transfer that came out in uh in europe uh through the through canal because they just put out a three disc set also uh the only ma the main difference between the the two sets that came out here as far as 4k and then the one over the 4k from over there is that one of their discs is the theatrical the theatrical and um the theatrical cut and here we got just the director's cut on 4k which is fine and i, I don't i don't even really remember the difference between the theatrical cut and the director's cut because that's just what i've watched over the years from having those multiple sets um but it's 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 i watched this on 4k just the other night stunning yeah absolutely stunning and the film already is yeah and so just just to be able to see it in in you know, and it's uh, vibrant color and detail. Uh, it's it's still just a sight to behold to this day, and just one that stuck with me. Um, you know, over the last twenty years, and and I am so glad that it's uh, it's it's achieved cult status. I th I feel like it has yeah. a while back, but I think it's more prominent now, and it's uh, being brought to to a bigger audience, especially for those that are you know. Uh, into collecting and whatnot they know that this is out there and this mm -hmm. it's a little more accessible because i i think it's difficult to find streaming these days for the listeners out there it's it's readily available on shutter that's i mean it's awesome. been on on there for almost a year i think so good people need to get on there and watch that but yeah. i mean again this is just one of those movies that has stood the test of time for me and has we had a discussion earlier this week how it's just a mishmash of all these different crazy ideas that shouldn't work on film and it does yeah and it's just it's just one of those important films to me i i love this movie that's awesome missy it's one of my favorite movies um and i think it's one of if not the first like foreign horror movie i had seen um my uncle david had told me about it and I think that's the first time that I ever watched something that was like French or anything like that. And I, I rented it. I, I rented it because usually I was watching movies with like my cousin or a couple of my friends and they would not have been cool with something that was in French and they had to read subtitles. Um, <laughs> but my uncle had told me, you know, give it a chance. I don't usually like period pieces but this threw me in right away um i always say that it's my favorite werewolf movie that's not actually about werewolves yeah <laughs> um but even though it's not it still gives you one hell of a monster um and just deep characters i've always loved the character of manny um and that was one of the first times I remember seeing a, 
like a character like that in film that you know I kind of got attached to. But I don't know it. It's not the kind of thing that I, at that time I normally would have been drawn to, but I loved the characters, the way it was filmed, all of it so much that it didn't. It didn't matter. It 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 drew me in immediately. I could see that. I have to wonder, watching it again a couple nights ago. So I had seen it probably a little over a decade ago. So I don't, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, let's say. And did I remembered liking it. I remember seeing the trailers for it, but didn't see it in the theater. And then dropped off my radar at some point. I think I got it when Netflix wasn't streaming yet. It was still like in the mail or whatever. Watching it again two nights ago, I really have to wonder, because there is such a martial arts presence, and like Anthony said, it's a mishmash, and honestly, so much of it just should not work, but it does. It is the exception to every rule. Um, I mean, right down to like, like the slow motion that they use is of that time. It doesn't, they do it differently. Like, it's not just freeze framing all the drop kicks and the aerial acrobatics in the fight scenes. It's also like rain splashing in puddles. And like, like it, it's, it, they use it to accentuate the beauty of the environment and the people and the people within the environment. And I really like that about it. But I gotta wonder, is the reason that was in American theaters in 2001 because Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon blew the fucking doors off of theaters a year before? It has to be, right? Yes, and, and, the, Ma and the Matrix. And the Matrix, but specifically, I feel like, I mean, you, definitely, I guess you can't really discount that, and that was in my head. But Crouching Tiger, because it's a foreign movie, like the Matrix would have been in an American theater anyway. Crouching Tiger, they probably, there was like, a discussion at some point is this going to go wide in america is it not it does it's a sensation what else is in this scope right and then this movie comes because man i i i just I, i'm really thankful that that happened the way that that happened right yeah uh john like i mean he christoph gans has admit, admitted like you know like yeah he's a big fan of um of 1970s hong kong martial arts films and uh he would screen them for the cast you know and they had like uh they brought out a martial arts coordinator that uh had worked with uh uh yu wimping and all that for the um and of course mark discascos was a martial arts expert himself and all, all that is true i don't know if that's if it was like intentionally because the matrix and uh crouching tiger had come out i just think it was like a very very fortunate coincidence that they all kind of came out together and generated everything but there's like so much more every time i discovered i watched this film there's like so much more like that that fight scene at, uh with the rain at the beginning that's like that's kurosawa with like the rain and everything and uh and 
I think, you know, it's funny how, you know, things that we don't, wouldn't think are a genre become a genre, like Sergio Leone becomes a genre yeah. and that kind of comes through, especially with like that sort of Spanish guitar-like music when, you know, Fonsac and Mani are writing, you know, yes. into Je Voudan, we get that image of the crucifix that just goes into a dissolve as they pass by, that's, and it just kind of recurs throughout the film and, then later when Manny set the window and it's all fragmented, I'm just like, oh my God, that's like somebody loves Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast here. It's like, there's just all like when Roger Ebert said, this is like an explosion at the genre factory. This is like no joke. It's like that and like all the directors that Christophe Gans loves. And it it doesn't seem, or you know, so I'm going to comment, I'm going to make a comparison in favor of this movie. And also I just want to backtrack and just, I, I want, because of your clarification, I, I'm pretty sure you know what I meant, but I just want to clarify for the listeners as well. I'm not saying Gantz made this movie because of the Matrix and Crouching Tiger. I'm just saying it was made in the chamber, but not the American wide release chamber, right? Would that be the 36 chambers? The 36 chambers, yes it would, sir. Okay, a movie that is also an explosion at the genre factory. I've never seen this movie. I feel confident commenting on it, regardless. You'll know why in a minute. Sucker Punch, right? It's just like, I want this, and 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 here you go. This does is not that. There's so no. much restraint, and the way there's nothing that's sticking out at an odd angle, ever. It's all so beautifully cohesive. And I think a lot of that has to do with the cinematography and the fact that they allowed this movie to be two hours and 35 minutes long. Like, yeah. that makes a huge difference. If you chop this down to two hours, I think you'd have some mismatched parts. But it is exactly what it needs to be. I felt that even though it was, you know, two and a half hours long, I, I, I never felt that watching the film because it you're, you're constantly engaged and, and wanting to know what, what happens next and they even span time a bit because you see the seasons yeah. change you know the snow snowfall comes and goes and before you know it, it's spring and it, it, it so they're, they're there for a while and they have to figure out a way to uh, again span this time over seasons because what the beast had run rampant for close to two years at, at, at one point and yeah. um, it, it was just odd to explain to uh cecilia she was like how long is this movie <laughs> i was like well we're going to be here for a bit. She goes, well, am I going to get to watch the television tonight? No. <laughs> so Probably did, not. <laughs> did she watch it with you? And did she also say, she like, like, oh, like, you're right. This doesn't feel like that long. No, she uh, completely disengaged and went on her phone. Okay. So. <laughs> I mean, she but, made a choice. It's not for everybody. <laughs> It's not for everybody. There's not many people I can have a, a, a conversation with about this film. So in that regard, I'm very lucky to be here today to be able to do that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I, 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 you know, was just kind of like zoned in on this thing. Um, again, I'm, I'm also critiquing the transfer of this yeah. while I'm watching it because I want to, I, I want to be able to see, you know, a lot more of the detail that got scrubbed up and, that's that's pretty much uh, what my main investment was in it because I know the story back and forth. It's 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 just a, uh, again one of those great movies I can kind of go back to anytime I wanted or anytime I want to, and um, 
No, but beyond that, like I said, I didn't feel any of it. I, I didn't feel there were pacing issues. I love how they are able to utilize the time to introduce new characters and story concepts um, over over the two and a half hour time frame. And every time they introduce a new character, you're kind of you're kind of wowed by them. Like when they bring in the hunter, uh, the the was it the uh, the one that's kind of like. I can't remember where he's from. He's well. He's the king's hunter, basically. The one they that comes in, in is basically like dressed as yeah. like the monster, and we're done. Yeah, it, total total prick character, but you, he's interesting. Um, when Monica Bellucci's character shows up at the brothel, you know she's Im- immediately interesting. Um, and then you know she's got the whole double agent thing going on as well. Uh, the biggest surprise, and it's it's something I. I don't know how I forgot about this. It's probably been about maybe five or six years since I watched it last. So it's, it's been some time. And um, I completely forgot at like the, you know, the last 35 minutes of the film, they just throw out this random uh, story, you know, plot twist where uh, Francois is uh, in love with his sister. Yeah. I completely forgot about it. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> they somehow managed to throw in a, a you know spice it up with some 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 incest which i don't recommend any of our listeners <laughs> doing in their lives uh but i mean just you know they again i i like how he's able to keep the story moving along and keep the uh keep the story fresh um throughout throughout the the, the runtime because you you never get tired of looking at the screen but you've got to have some kind of substance and i, I was I, I'm I'm still you know wowed by the fact that he 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 did that in that time frame, and that's that's spanned over you know his his uh, very small career of films you know like his you know he hasn't done very many films, and I imagine just because budgets have to be overwhelming, much like like a Tarzan Singh. Tarzan Singh doesn't get a chance to do a lot of large films anymore either because you know budget budgetary wise it's like okay I've got this grand grand vision to share with you but it's it's going to be costly and unfortunately studios just don't do that anymore yeah right um but you know sony learned their lesson by going cheap on the silent hill uh, sequel and they paid the price for it it bombed up at the box office nobody liked it it's you know marred by critics uh, horror fans don't enjoy it and you know they had to bring back guns and which that's they now just coming out film. next year right I, I yeah that he they just wrapped filming in June. I I'm still kind of like flabbergasted by the fact that that even happened or that they brought him back to, you know, uh, reinvite us into the world that he painted because you know the you know love or hate Silent Hill that film is is incredible. It's it's a beautiful movie, uh, despite how grim and 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 dark it is. I mean, the way he structured it it's 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 genius but i mean i expect that from having watched his other films and i can't wait to go back into that and the man just deserves money give him money let him make art because it's just this guy needs to uh to stay in the in the public eye and i really hope that um people do give him more of a chance because i think he's in his 60 i think he's 63 now if i'm not mistaken and so I, I just love to see him crank out some more work before, yeah. you know, he just, before he, you know, fades into obscurity or whatnot. But yeah, the, the man's a genius. And I, 
again, there's not a, there's not, I don't have enough good things. I, I do have a lot of good things to say about this film, but to articulate it the way he makes a movie, it's, it's impossible. The guy's just, he's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. Agree. Missy. Okay. Um, this movie has fantastic death scenes. When we, when we get the scenes where we actually get to see the monster attack, even the opening sequence where you never see the creature is, is still terrifying when you're watching her get thrashed around and the way the camera moves with her. But um, my, my favorite scene in the entire, um, in the entire film is the, the death of the goat girl. When we first get a when we first get a look at the monster, not not a really good look, but but a pretty good look. Um, the first time we actually see it, it's reflected in her eyes, and I love that shot. Um, but even though it ends up as we progress through the story, it's it's not a werewolf. It's something based in reality. They still give us a hell of a monster because the the armor looks fucking fantastic. Um, when when we get the sequences where the mon- monster is attacking and you know they're fighting with it, like the way it the way it moves, all of it, it looks fucking great. And they get pretty inventive with the way the camera moves along with it in those sequences. How did you guys feel about the costume design? Oh, John. Uh, yeah, just to talk with the co- about the costume design. Um, loved all of it. You know, just like it's so inventive with like. I think Jean Francois has probably the best costumes in like the whole film, and 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 I and just by the way, when I when I saw this film, I was a huge huge Lahaine fan. If anyone here has seen Lahaine, uh, just so Vincent Cassel. And of course, it would go on to do Eastern Promises and Black Swan. Uh, gets you know just sort of the, some of the best costumes, you know, and his prosthetics in the film, yeah, uh, are absolutely fantastic. Um, and something about you know just uh, Silent Hill, I just want to say Guillermo del Toro tends to use two cinematographers primarily: a Mexican cinematographer named Guillermo Navarro and Dan Lauston, who shot Brotherhood of the Wolf and Silent mm. Hill. Oh, uh, okay. It, yeah, uh, Dan Lauston shot uh, Shape of Water, whereas uh, Guillermo Navarro shot Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, okay. So, okay. you know, this is like. Yeah, I, I I love them both, but yeah, Dan Lauston, yeah, should you know shoot more movies? Like you know, his his work here is absolutely incredible. It's breathtaking. I find you know some a lot of his work in the beginning of the film to be almost more stunning than like mm-hmm. the second half of the I film. Like, um, like the one thing a scene that I rewatched just almost immediately after. Rewatching this film last weekend was uh, the uh, the horse riding scene through the woods when during the big hunt scene towards the beginning of the film is just absolutely stunning to watch. Um, now I'm going to totally burst people's bubble here. I'm going to have to be a dissenting voice. Okay, in dissent here. Yeah, uh, the the creature has never worked for me. Okay. 
the uh and and by the creature i mean when when you actually fully see him on screen in the flesh in like the last 45 minutes of the film goat goat girl scene works wonderfully for me it is spectacular kid uh trapped in the bunny cave uh in the snow that works incredibly so as soon as we get it like starting to stalk Fransac when he's like finally coming back he's convinced to come back to Jevoudan and then we get this sort of um kind of almost like cat and mouse home alone thing with uh Manny and the creature later on that's kind of when you know the I because they updated the special effects after I first saw the film. Oh. And I think they kind of updated it a little bit more and it just never really works for me when you kind of, whenever I fully see the creature in the flesh and, you know, it doesn't ruin the film for me because it's just a handful of scenes. Uh, but, you know, it's like, it was done by Jim Henson, you know, like Jim Henson did like a lot of the prosthetics and unfortunately, it feels as such. Uh, there was a TV show that Jim Henson did uh, called The Storyteller during the 1980s. It was mm -hmm. on PBS. And uh, there's like one episode where like it was like a human hedgehog boy. And, you know, there's like and there's in the creature like kind of feels like human hedgehog boy in some parts of it. So I'm going to just say like the creature has never, ever fully worked for me, but it never, ever takes away from my enjoyment of the film overall like when when i found out like that was a film we'd be watching i was like yeah you know kind of off creature effects towards the last half hour of the film be damned i'm i'm in i gotta say that i think the first time i watched it this is interesting hearing you say this i just i now i'm pretty sure when i first watched it i really did like it but I think the creature also threw me the first time. So this is going back 10, 15 years ago. Um, one of the things I noticed this time, it didn't really bother me at all. I didn't know Jim Henson, and that makes perfect sense. And that doesn't dispel anything for me because it kind of, like that um, dark crystal world works uh -huh. in the context of this for me although I could see how it wouldn't. But the one thing about the, and I, I think the scene where it is the weakest is the scene where he goes to meet, uh, what's her name? The love interest, the redhead. Um, Marianne. Uh, Marianne. At that cabin. And it mm -hmm. comes up and that's the first time it's on camera a lot, right? And it's moving and it's diving and slamming into shit. And I think because of the small space, that's where the effect works the least, at least for me. However, the thing that I noticed this time I really appreciated, I forgot how much, how quick we see it. I mean, it's not quick because it's a long movie, but like I was thinking, okay, I know we see it, but it's probably not till like the last 20 minutes. So I was surprised by that again. And then it's never, it's such a bizarre concept and execution of what it is where i was thinking it's a wolf in this armor i read something earlier that said it's a lion in armor yeah. mm -hmm. but whatever it is even when it's full on screen i don't know what the fuck i'm looking at ever like 
does you know it, it's not until the scene where he right before he shoots it at the very end right before he shoots it he puts his hand by its mouth and you see the metal teeth of the exoskeleton mm -hmm. that somebody built for it right and then the actual like teeth it has in its tongue and that's the first time you it's you solidly know this is an actual animal and it has actual teeth and animal parts and then there's some kind of a bizarre mm -hmm. exoskeleton but in a lot of the other sequences it's moving around so fast i'm just like i i don't know what it is so i well, do you can see its eye real good it it's a lion like it's a lion's eye okay but i feel like they do do a good job of even when they're showing it to you full on i just i you know right. it's like it's hard to know what where the animal stops and the human meddling begins and right. so that makes it it's still a mystery even though you're looking right at it so i mm -hmm. i definitely applaud that approach because that saves it for me because i could totally see based on remembering how i felt that first viewing listening to you speak john i could see because it, it does it threw me completely the first time i saw it i was like wait what what the fuck is this so interesting anthony creature thoughts i feel like the cg works for like the night stalking scene like when he goes to see marianne and you see it kind of stalking in the background as he's yeah. riding up on horseback that, works that stuff sure. works yeah but i mean i guess that's just kind of where the budget ran out and uh like the daytime scenes where manny does the big call out and pulls out the axe and is just like you know come at me basically you know his big predator moment and um you know, you see it kind of dive down the rocks. It's really, really awful to look at. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, in 4K, it's not much better. Yeah. Um, I always admired the intricacies of of the design, the creature design itself. But, I mean, just with, with the technology that they had at the time, it just doesn't look very good, unfortunately. I mean, even you, you go back and you watch, like, Rel The Relic, that's a Stan Winston creation. And that monster is really cool looking. But as far as like movement on screen, if you don't have something physical to work with, just like they did in that film when they had ended up using a lot of CG for its movement, it looks bad. And unfortunately that stuff just didn't age well. And you know, it's, it's just something that carries over today. I mean, bad CG is bad CG, no matter what film it's in. Well, there's, there's movies from that time that look a hell of a lot worse though. No, you're not wrong. But like I said, there's there's a lot of great intricacy to its 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 design. I, I like the armor that they created. I don't mind the big, you know, bad spines and stuff like that. I like that it's a trained beast. Um, what I always found interesting about it was that it doesn't eat. It maims. It's trained to maim you. It's not trained to eat. It doesn't eat people. It doesn't have a taste for people. It it just snaps with the jaws and unfortunately, you know, and that that you know tears off a large chunk and it's usually a killing blow because of how large it is. But that's it. Like people aren't found devoured; they're just found maimed. And yeah. I always, I always thought that was cool, and how that played into it. You know, having a master, and you know, uh, those designs are cool too. For you know, those those uh, those costume designs for uh, Jean Francois's, uh, you know, like masks because he yeah. he wore like a it looks like a almost like a demon's mask. It, it's pretty cool. Like, and then you know, you go into the, you, you just go into, you know, how they, how they lit it. And it doesn't, it, again, it just doesn't carry over well. Like you said, in that, that whole scene where it explodes out of the floor, 
that was just really, really wonky looking. In fact, the only time, the only time I think it looks great is like like that scene that Missy said with the goat girl, where there's you know there's that overhead shot where you see it uh-huh. creeping down into the mud pit. Like those overhead shots work, um, even when Franzak is in the uh, in the hunter's lair and it's in the cage below him, and he can mm-hmm. you can pretty much see the whole thing. Um, uh-huh. it, it look those shots are great. I I just really wish they were able to translate it, you know, through other angles. But it just again wasn't feasible for the time. Uh, the up close practical shots where you know he puts the hand in the mouth and you can clearly see you know the the lion underneath. Um, that stuff is great. Henson's crew did a phenomenal job on that. Um, I ugh, that's that's the only thing I can really say about that is is the uh, the CG. Unfortunately, it you know, is very of its time. And I don't think it mars the film, but I could see how uh, new viewers today would, would kind of be put off by it because like you're being, it's not like Jaws where you have something practical, you know, coming at you. It's you're, you're acting in front of a cartoon, unfortunately, you know, and just kind of. It, it does seem to be a mix of, so I think one of the things that maybe saves it for me is that the CG, I think, is really only used when it's moving in a very mm-hmm. volatile manner, right? So you get a good yeah. mix of whatever Henson designed, and I think that saves it. And I also bet, and I, I, love, I love that you said this, I think, John, you said that they had updated the effects, right? Um, uh, yeah, for like the, after the test audiences, I think like a lot, some of the people wrote, uh, good film, but the creature effects feel not done. Which they might not have been at that point as well. But I mean, I even wonder if it's been tinkered with a little bit since it originally came out on DVD. I don't know. Because uh, it doesn't look as bad as I remember it. I do remember throwing me for a loop that first time. Even in daylight, they tried to hide it when they when they dropped yeah. the cage on it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they They knew what they were working with and you know, again, they tried to mask it as much as they could, and like I said, they weren't showing those those full body shots. You were yeah. getting these really weird, tweaked angles of it. This kind of goes back to a conversation, Sean. I think we had on like an earlier podcast, or maybe even off the air. It was like uh, where uh, the worst era for American horror films was like late nineties, early two thousands, yeah. and. Yeah. You know, so even by comparison, this uh, the the effect the effects for the creature maybe as poor as they may be or as mediocre as they may be are still way better than like in the grand scheme of things than what we were getting from a lot of American horror films at the time. So, you know, I I would yeah, listeners, if you haven't seen this film take what i'm saying about the creature with a grain of salt because it could be a lot worse and you're right i gotta tell you just springs to mind it uh so somewhere around 2004 i remember my ex renting a movie called van helsing with hugh jackman and kate beckenslade and i i didn't watch it i wasn't interested but i remember walking into the room looking at the screen for about uh, you know 30 seconds and being like have a good time with that and leaving because I I just <laughs> it was so bad the CG in that movie, like it literally looked like somebody <laughs> had like somehow taken a like stills of or like scenes of Hugh Jackman like doing whatever and then like transposed some 
like animated something on top. I mean, it just looked absolutely atrocious. So, I mean, and that was three years after this and probably with an enormous, like considerable more money behind it. So figure that one out. <laughs> I chose to like that movie. Well, that's a choice odd... you'll have to live with, mister. <laughs> and, and I do. And it's it's for an odd reason, because at the time, it was the closest thing we were ever going to get Castlevania. to a Castlevania film. That's I know it. you so well. <laughs> that's okay. the closest thing you were going to get to a Castlevania film, where you're going to go floor by floor, boss by boss. That was the movie. And that's why I was like, it's got shitty, shitty effects. But I know what it is. I know where it's drawing its source material from. This is the closest thing I'm ever going to get to it. I'm just going to shut up and watch the film. I, do, I feel you. I feel you, brother. I feel you. It's, <laughs> it's why I like the second G.I. Joe movie. Because it's just like, oh, God. Okay. There's enough in it. There's enough in it where I'm like, okay. I'm glad you put Rizzo there. I'm good. Okay. I get it. I get it. Those, you know. Yeah. Uh, Missy, monster uh, feelings? I like the monster and the the CGI doesn't um, or the mix of the CGI with the practical effects it doesn't bother me here. I mean, um, the other the other movie we were going to reference the CGI in that movie bothers me, but I like the monster in Brotherhood. Um, it the first time I saw the film it blew my mind because it was not what I was expecting at all. And like you said, it looks really bizarre um, when when you get a look at it. And yeah, the monster doesn't bother me. And in fact, the, the scene at the end, when we see what it actually is, and it's just in, you know, this poor abused lion that was twisted and trained to do these things, you feel bad for it. Yeah. I mean, it hurts my heart. <laughs> that and all the, and all the wolf death. Like I, oh. all the, the people. Well, I don't care about the people, but the the scenes where they're killing all the wolves, I look away from those. They hurt my heart. But I also just love, like Manny and his, like he's definitely got a very strong wolf totem. The wolves guide him through the whole movie. Um, and it's all the. And when he create when he has to make the fake beast and has to break its jaws, that yeah, that's, that's kind of that hurts too. That's, <laughs> that's pretty rough. And Manny's disgusted by it because yeah. he knows what yeah. what Franzak has to do, and he knows he and you see him like kind of walk off in a tuft because he's he's upset that he's about to mutilate this beautiful right. creature, and he's already upset through that throughout the whole film because, like you said, of all the wolf death. That's yeah, obviously one of the things that's you know the most disgusting about the majority of the humans is all the faux pageantry and yeah. of of going mm-hmm. out and, and you know the, the fake gallantry of of you know going on the hunt and all this other stuff and and then but that leads to one of those beautiful scenes, the horse race scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to Sean about this earlier this week about you know the the use of slow mo in the film. This is pre three hundred. And so it, it has purpose in showing detail of what's going on. And again, on 4K, that scene, gorgeous. And then that, you know, leads to where they find that uh, that small, um, the ruins where the Templar met and whatnot. And, uh, you know, Marianne's about to kill the wolf. 
they, you know, the wolf is spared, but you do get that one awesome moment where, you know, Manny turns and you see the, like the birds flying in the background. And it's, just, you know, what, again, one scene leading into something else completely stunning. And, and, you know, those scenes being birthed from ugliness that happened just prior. To right. It, that's, that's, that's the, the balance of the movie that I, I, I love, you know? Yeah, well, and Manny's, oh, I was going to say, and Manny's disgusted, but he also, um, when Frontag stops Marianne from shooting the wolf, he stops and he thanks him mm-hmm. for saving it. Well, and, and he's, I mean, Manny's got to deal with, you know, I just think of that, like, tell me, if you mated with one of our women, could you reproduce? It's like, oh, my God. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, but it, it is. So the one character of that, the, the entire echelon of that, you know, court or, you know, the fealty. Um, and it's funny. I forgot this. It starts in the present and it's i'm thinking it's franzak telling the story and then i remembered in the I'm like no no it's um the marquis the marquis it's the marquis he's the one character that is not revolting right other than marianne but it's so funny so he is offered at the end of the movie they offer to take him with them to africa and he says no because he's like i have a duty because of my position and what I know and what I've learned to help rebuild. And what does it get him? Because he's still, even though he's the best among those men, those officials, he's still one of them. And when the revolution, the terror comes, they don't give a fuck. They're spitting on him. They're going to chop his fucking head off because he's one of them. So everything about that era and that way of life is just bullshit i mean if, even if you just think about like the red coats right like like <laughs> they're so full of themselves they ride in the battle in the most vibrant color and like yeah gee i wonder why you eventually lost I mean, like maybe that worked for a while but like i don't know the, the whole high society is in any culture is usually i mean it's always bullshit right for the most part but i feel like that french you know 18th century is just particularly disgusting like it's just really 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 bad and and here's Franzak and Manny and I just I love how cool they play everything Manny never gets angry despite them constantly basically you know verbally slapping him in the face and just and Franzak also just they they know one another. They trust one another so implicitly, which is so strange because also when he t- when Franzek tells the story of how they met, he was under orders and went in with the others to wipe out the fucking village. I'll just say one thing I was thinking when I was watching this, which is that like, you know, it's like we think of like French when people say French cinema, they think like you know Truffaut, Godard, but that's like they often forget that, you know, there's always been kind of like sort of a more mainstream tradition. It's never gone overseas very well because it's not avant-garde, but they, it's always been there. And I'm kind of glad that this sort of went overseas at the right time, but it's also kind of part of this broader tradition. And this kind of goes to that um, 
slow-mo thing we were just talking about whereas like there was a tradition that rose out of french cinema during the 80s called cinema du look you know you'd get people like leos carox if you've ever seen like um holy motors or uh um that film uh, annette that came out two years ago with uh, adam driver um and Luc Besson, who did, you know, Leon, the professional came out of that whole tradition where it's all like, it's less about, you know, like realism and stripping down. And it's more about like, you know, just the image for the image sake, like, you know, look at this, isn't this beautiful? It may not really forward the story very much, but you're still swept up in something, you know, beautiful and it just transcends the image. And I just look at, saw Brotherhood of the Wolf as being like an extension of that tradition, but mixed in with like this blockbuster explosion at the genre factory. <laughs> well said. Well said. Well yeah. said. Th that's funny. You brought up on, on the most recent episode of, so for the listeners, I've said this before, I'll say it again. John and photographer Miles Fortune have a podcast called This Movie Saved My Life. Your newest episode is um, about Barbenheimer, the strike, and then also the passing of Jane Burkan, or I don't know how to say her name. I thought it was Burkan. Yeah. Um, Burkan, yeah. But uh, you bring this point up exactly where, like, to some people, to many people, I think, in the States, a French movie is immediately like some, like, either avant-garde or romantic, or, or but they have, like, a mainstream cinema, too. It's not all just, like, you know, art house, basically. That's what you said. You said some people think anything French is art house, and that's not the case, right? So, yeah, I, I just... which which is fine because yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, for, because out because like think about what we got out of that. You know, it like shaped people like mm -hmm. Scorsese and you know Coppola and Brian De Palma, you know, and all and all those people. So you know, it's like you know, like yeah, like. French New Wave is great just because of what it did like all around the world. But yeah, pretty much, you know, in every country where there's like been an avant-garde, there's always been kind of a more mainstream cinema that may not, you know, produce the same number of masterpieces and innovative films, but there's some good gems to be found there. Yeah. Missy, you were going to say something. Um, what I was going to say, going back to um a lot of the characters being just terrible terrible people except for like manny and um defranzac madame sylvia oh, is one of the awesome. cool yeah one of the coolest characters in the movie and we always see her wearing masks and veils um most of the time and i mean through obviously she's not what she appears to be you know she presents herself as like this uh fortune telling prostitute but she's actually like an italian assassin and probably works for the vatican <laughs> uh she's like the most badass character in the movie next to manny um but i don't i mean she has to do fucked up things but i don't think she's a terrible person in fact she tries to help him yeah they they have a very interesting relationship like i think they're actually friends like even though she kind of plays it off like with benefits like she yeah. you know doesn't care that much <laughs> yeah the, well the, at the end when she's like you would come with me we'll celebrate in style i'll, I'll introduce you to rome 
too late because she knows she does she, she knows right. where his heart lies she also extends the you know she goes to see marianne at the church and and says like right he only spoke of you in his sleep or whatever so, so i i guess i kind of knew this but uh kirsten put a point on that she loved this movie she had never seen it before oh awesome when when we sat down she's like how long is this movie i'm like over two and a half hours long she's like are you kidding and like she loved it she's like <laughs> that did not feel like that's that. awesome but courtesans were often deep like what we would now call like deep cover for something or like okay. spies or whatever because what better person to employ as a spy right <laughs> like mm-hmm. where you're like your subject's guard is down 100 and they know everybody's secrets and they know everybody's secrets so I, and, but I love, I would agree she is the second most badass character because I love the end where she comes up and she's like, where she does, she stabs him like mm-hmm. the last time she's like, he's dead now. And they're all like, well, he, he was dead. Right. Yeah. No, he's dead now. Cause she just wanted to get one in. Right. And I, I um, Best Estelle. death scene. Oh yeah. Oh well, well she was, well, she, de- she delivers one of the best death scenes in the film where she takes her fan and does a molina from mortal Kombat. so <laughs> freaking awesome oh my i was God. just gonna mention that right now how, how at the time you know we were we had the popularity of of uh mortal Kombat. that was that was a great pull how he was able to implement that that <laughs> fan of knives i was like okay you again you know me at this time when it when it came out i was like this just speaks to me on every fucking level and, <laughs> and there's another one such a badass movie uh and i mean vincent cassell like hit the whole thing with his arm looks amazing when you you mm-hmm. finally get that and then it's just everything like and yeah i had forgotten about the whole thing where it's like oh yeah he's totally in i don't even know if he's in love with her it's just like he possesses her his sister romantically or whatever like there's so many layers to his character and i love that so there's a great scene like silhouetted against the, you know, like the moon on a hill where it's like, he's got the mask on. I think it's the first time you see where it's like, he's basically, you see the man and the beast that he's controlling. Uh-huh. Right? And so that's actually historically, there was a point where some of the, in reading about the beast of Jevedon, like there was a theory that it was a man controlling a beast. And I think that also kind of butts up against like the whole, werewolf lore anyway and i don't know i just i i find that really they just played with so many cool aspects and missy i love when you say it's my favorite werewolf movie that's not really a werewolf (laughs) movie because that's exactly what it is but it still is in some manner to me a werewolf movie like 100 percent um and man i don't know how do you pull that off like i'm gonna make a movie that's a werewolf werewolf movie but it's not a werewolf movie but people are going to think it's a werewolf movie even though they're going to know it's not but it's like wait what but you're not going to be disappointed you're not going to be disappointed normally i would be crestfallen to find out that you know there there was not it was not a werewolf movie there was not a monster but they still give me a monster and actually made me feel bad for it yeah oh Um, yeah but yeah john francois is i read something that vincent cassell of originally did not want the part until they changed it to be to make him creepier Ooh. and and add the you know 
the incest angle with the sister. Like he wanted it darker. Oh, that's cool. And, of course and, he did. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and he leans into it. Um he's fucking creepy as hell. Um and like you get that right in the beginning because there's that really cool scene where they're at like a, a gathering and Manny is like um telling people what their totems are. Yes. And he like Jean Francois says, you know, it po- pulls his glove off with his teeth and says, you know, do me next. And Manny never like he doesn't, he won't. And they just stare at each other for a minute and I'm like, I think Manny knows. Like yeah, at that point, I think he knows. He probably doesn't know all of it, but he knows something. That's like, he knows there's something off about him, even if it's just in whatever animal, spirit animal, or aura or whatever he feels around him. He like he knows something's wrong. I I I hadn't thought of that, but I think you're absolutely right. That character is really cool because you see the you know when when it takes a turn i mean there's always been there's always something ominous about him but you also wonder if it's just him being a product of high society like this is yep. just, you know i i am just a guy who lost my arm hunting because i'm super rich and that's what i do with my money you know um mm-hmm. and then and then when he does you know yeah i mean he commits a horrible act in here he he you know assaults his right. sister and and he even you know throws that in Franzak's face later on you know um right before he's he's killed you know he, you he, what does he say he says uh, you brought us to you uh, you you brought yeah my sister and i together it was you basically blaming him yeah saying yeah it's just like a completely disgusting character and and i think that's what's made him such a great villain now then you get that fight with that <laughs> odd segmented bone sword. And again, the CG doesn't carry over well in 4 I would argue that's the um, worst CG in the movie. And it's, it's still not it's, like, uh, I've still seen worse, but th- th- it, that doesn't work really. I mean. But again, it's, it's the, uh, it's the, the whip blade from Castlevania. And I'm like, I'm still here for it. So, like, I'm, I still I'm like it. I think I'm it's still fun. in for it. Yeah, I think it's it's again conceptually great, you know. And it's when it's it's not doing what it does. It's it's cool looking, and, and you know it it fits the character design, and 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 uh, it's just kind of it's very of what he does, and and, yeah, and yeah. I like that about it. Yeah, I, I like that they were able to you know keep that aesthetic. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of funky looking. But I mean, and then you also um, you see the character change with Fronzak as well. As soon as Manny dies, you have that really emotional scene where he's grieving Manny and he's cleaning his wounds and he's preparing him for you know uh, for his uh, his funeral or his his you know higher mm-hmm. uh, exactly. And um, and then you see that you know, he's he's getting ready to go out and get revenge, and then he's arrested, and then when he comes back, he's uber badass. He does all those cool, you know, knife flip things, and mm-hmm. it's just it's interesting to see that switch flip in him, and then he just becomes this completely different, like, action hero guy, and it's... Well, 
when you look at it from a broader lens, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, this is this is popcorn. This is a popcorn. Yeah. Now. But I love it. You know, it's let, let me I, ask I, I guys, like seeing those. Let me ask you guys this, though. And I hadn't picked up on this. I don't think I visually missed it. But there is a comment earlier in the movie about eating and eating somebody's heart in order to gain their power. Mm-hmm. Does he eat Manny's heart? Not that we ever Not that see, we but, see I, but is it uh, inferred? I but feel I like think it he might channeled be inferred. his spirit. I feel like it yeah. might be inferred because it might be. That's like there is no because precedent for his behavior after that flips, after that switch flips. Like there's no precedent for that. He becomes well, and no, even, he's go ahead. He's channeling his spirit because he's wearing he's got his yeah. face painted the same way. He starts taking scalps. He's, saying, um, he he's moving the way he was, but it's never told. Like you don't see him do a ritual. You don't see him eat his heart. But I feel like it's kind of because he does and, clean his wounds at some point. He's he like washing the body, and I just wondered if that was if there's an maybe there's something because they definitely don't show it, but I'm wondering if there's something that, like a lingering shot or something that maybe is an inference to that. Um, and, and I don't think it would be, if that's if that's the case, I don't necessarily think it would be something that would be a violation, because I think that it no. would be something that Manny would be like, here, take this, so now you can have, mm-hmm. you know, what I had or whatever. But I don't, it had never occurred to me before, but I was pretty fucking sure watching it the other night where I'm like, man, it is Anthony is literally a switch because it just goes from position A to position B with nothing in between and the face paint, right? It's just so. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I love that whole sequence, and I was me too. I was utterly shocked again that Manny died. I had completely fucking forgot. I just watched this like in November. Oh, I and never I forget just, that. I just. Because you know what it is? He's such a fucking great character. Like, you just don't see how that would even be in the cards for this story to take him out of it, right? So, especially, yeah, especially the fact that he's killed it in an act of cowardice being shot in the back. It's like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. this is how this awesome right. character goes out. So, I mean, that's what makes it a lot, his death a lot more impactful. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then when he, when he does die, the wolf comes back and he yes. dies alone except that the white wolf is with him. Yep. And also doesn't when Franzak is cleaning his body, did he ha- did he pull a silver bullet out of him? He does. So that yeah. goes he back does. to that That's thing. What I thought. It goes back to the thing early on, John. I signed my shot. I signed my shot. He's such an uppity prick that he's mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah, that's just a little bit of like I love that poetic justice there, where it's like he pulls it out, he knows exactly who fucking did it at that exact moment. Mm-hmm. Love that. That I always, if I always assume that even if he doesn't eat the heart, they tell you on multiple occasions he calls him his blood brother. Yes, his yes, yeah. We never find out why. Like we never find out how they bonded. Um, they just did, and um. Like that's part of the story we don't get, but he says it a few times. So I don't. I always just took it that because of the mixing of blood, they were able to. He was able to channel his spirit. Okay. 
mean, we know Manny could channel spirits. He speaks to the trees and yeah. the and the wolves. The wolves show him the way. John, feelings for Manny? Yeah, I mean, he was always like one of my favorite characters in the film from <laughs> start to finish, and just that whole like funeral pyre uh, yeah. sequence is just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, I just I so I brought up to the to to you guys. Um, there is a movie from 2021 called The Cursed, direct written and directed by Sean Ellis, which is really interesting. I don't know much about Sean Ellis, but when I remember the first time I watched this. So this popped up on Hulu and I watched it last year and remembered they mentioned the Beast of Jevedon and I was like, oh, that's Brotherhood of the Wolf. And so I rewatched uh -huh. that. But Sean Ellis, when I looked at his his uh, filmography, the, the only movie, I mean, I knew the names of some, but I remember working at Borders, there was this movie that was always face out and the cover, everybody, I feel like if you've seen it once, you never forget the cover. It's called um, Cashback. It's a British movie. And it's like a chick standing in a supermarket aisle, topless, but with the title of the movie covering her breasts. It's just such, a, it's just an eye-catching cover. And so I'm like, this is a guy, because I just, always, I, you look at the cover and you assume it's a crap movie. Because it's like, okay, if you got to put that on your cover, like, you know, I don't know. Um mm. But and I don't know, it might be a crap movie, but the cursed plays with the same historical element, but uses a gypsy curse for it. Um, but so did you guys real quick, because I don't I don't want to go over too much. And Anthony brought up we were actually gonna do like a feature on this movie back when we watched it originally in 2021, and it just never happened. But uh what so, anybody does anyone have anything to say about the curse insofar as relating to Brotherhood of Death, Brotherhood of the Wolf? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Brotherhood of Death is an old black exploitation flick from the seventies. <laughs> Sorry, Brotherhood of the Wolf. The the only thing about that film that worked for me was that, you know, just how they kind of linked a lot of that to World War One. And how it's just kind of like plays in the fact that World War One is kind of one place where like horror films kind of originated from in the first place. And I thought that was kind of a little bit of a slick nod. And then the film just kind of went downhill from there for me, like with some minor moments that I thought, okay, that's all right. It, it, it does... It throws in tricks and and stuff here and there, like with the that keeps going to the scarecrow and some of the, that I don't think work at all. But I will say the opening is very eye catching, and then the Romany massacre is just one of. I love everything about that scene. I love that it's a uh -huh. wide shot that you can't really hear what's going on. I love the music. Um, anyway. Uh, Missy, what anything to say about the curse in relation to Brotherhood of Wolf or Brotherhood of Death, if you've seen that? <laughs> um, I mean, this is the second time I second time I watched the curse. Um, it I liked it better the first time. <laughs> I think it's possibly because I just watched it back to back with Brotherhood, though. It's not a bad movie. I also love the scene with the massacre of the Romanese. It's it's super mean and it gets under your skin. Um, 
it's not a bad movie. The silver teeth and the curse are really fucking intense. The monster is cheesy. It, I hate the CGI in uh, the curse, but overall, it's it's not a bad movie. It, it, I mean, it doesn't tie in a lot with Brotherhood. It just they're also trying to hunt the the beast of Jever. Well, it's like it's moved on, right? They figured that, like, oh, it ended there because they keep referencing. You know what would have been super cool is if the the character in the cursed was one, just any character from Brotherhood, because several of the characters in Brotherhood are historical characters. So if they could have somehow done something like that, but they didn't. So you know, I don't know. I felt like that was maybe a misstep. I don't know. Anthony, thoughts, threats conclusions um i didn't rewatch. i haven't seen it since we watched it for that initial viewing um i do remember the silver teeth uh, i remember the bad cg ser- scarecrow i'm trying to remember if they made mention of the silver teeth being uh uh melted down uh judas co- coins it of is judas is, it is it's a 30 yeah. coin yeah. of judas yeah so i remember i remember that being a really cool uh piece of mythos that they added to, to that and that was that was pretty awesome um honestly there's not much else that i recall um mm-hmm. you guys are kind of refreshing my memory now as you're talking about some of those scenes and it's kind of making me want to see it but then it's funny because everybody's saying don't watch it again i, I, I so. wouldn't say that i would actually recommend <laughs> i wouldn't say don't watch it again it's got yeah, it's I got mean, its I, issues but i yeah it's been i think time. there's enough there that, man i don't know there's there's stuff there there's I think. enough there just don't watch it back to back with brotherhood yeah i remember enjoying it not hating it but i i don't recall much else i remember we were just consuming a lot at that moment yeah. and it's really steamrolling through episodes so it was kind of it kind of got pushed out of the old brain so it's been, yeah. been some time i don't remember hating it but i do remember I, that was one of the things that stuck out to me was that that little that little tidbit of, of mythos that they added that i i respected and thought you know carried some weight so i was like that was that's a pretty good portion of the film but that's all i remember unfortunately um okay so final thoughts on brotherhood of the wolf john uh just always such a pleasure watching this film just such a visual feast uh, I love the soundtrack to this film uh joseph laduca who also did evil dead nice nice <laughs> it, it 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 just totally works for me anthony it's been a 20-year love affair and i'm sure it will go much longer than that and i uh i implore folks to go watch it while it's accessible and you heard sean earlier it's on shutter pay the money, watch the film, pay the money, buy the 4k, pay the money, buy the Blu-ray. It's, it's out there. Yeah. Um, if, if this listening has it spoiled the film for you in any way, and it's piqued your interest, then, then by all means, go and, uh, satiate yourself. Missy. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's one of my favorite movies. I never get tired of watching it. Um, It's a beautiful film. If you've never seen it, definitely give it a chance. I would just second all of that. 
Uh, guys, so I think, John, are you, you going to pick the next one? Or you want to sit on that one for a while? My problem is, it's like I have three potential titles ah. in my mind. And I don't know, like, what section of the queue I'm in, really. Like, who... Uh, Body double was that Sean? Was that your pick or was that, that Anthony? That was mine. So it goes. Sean. It went Anthony with um, dress to kill. I did body double. Missy did this. So if you want in, this is a perfect jumping in. All if right. You don't, have, you don't have to pick now. You don't have. You had mentioned one to me, but if you want to wait, then we can. You know, that's fine. It can be T uh, TBD. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have. I, I mean, I have one choice that like I'm. That's just screaming at me to do, but it's like stylistically so similar to Brotherhood of the Wolf that I think I might do one of the other two. That um, and then then there was one, but like Miles and I did something on that, and I don't want to like you know cross pollinate. So uh, you know what? I got I got it. I think I got it. Let me mull it over between the two, and I'll, I'll take a. Uh, I'll message all of you guys and uh, take the temperature okay. and okay. Uh, see, see what direction we want to go. Oh, dude, whatever it is, it's fine. I mean, right. As long as it's accessible. I subjected Missy yeah. to the dark backwards. She subjected me to uh, uh, what, was one that, <laughs> what was the one you did I didn't like? Uh, horns. So, oh, horns. So, oh, yeah. Which you know. is not nearly as bad as the dark backward. <laughs> well, but the dark backward is amazing five-star movie yeah. adam rifkin forever well then until then for the horror vision presents elements of horror i'm sean i am the abominable anthony i'm dr john <laughs> and i'm missy and we will be back soon with another episode